Welcome back to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Mike Connolly. Hello. And Tara Connolly. Hi there. And boy, do we have a treat for you today. Sitting next to us is Seymour Glass of Banana Fish fame. Oh, hi. <laughs> I was just passing by and I saw the blinking lights. So I <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing in here? On air sign that we always flip on when we're recording. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a yeah, flashing light outside. And uh, yeah, this is uh, this is great. We're so excited to have you here. Thanks for coming on and agreeing to do this. Yeah. Thank you for having me. For sure. I mean, you know, we obviously... Banana fish has been was a huge, huge uh, thing for all, all of us uh, when we started first getting into noise in this whole world, and especially on this podcast, we've been going back and rereading old issues, finding articles from you know about uh, the artists we're featuring, stuff like that. And it's 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 so invaluable having these these physical magazines still, and honestly, some of the best parts to me are the ads. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes. Like just looking back at like an old endorphin factory ad and just seeing this kind of stuff. You know, it's it's more exciting now than this than is I, primary yeah, yeah. So, source material. Yeah. Something about it is just it's just re it's it's really exciting to see all that stuff still. When it was when it was happening, as I was doing it, I wasn't thinking of it in those terms. I wasn't trying to be a, a reference guide or anything like that. It was all more personal, just, you know reacting to what the hell is this? What did I just get in the mail? Who are these people? This is insane. So it's, the, it started in 87. Is that correct? Yeah, possibly 80, 86. Yeah. Yeah. 87, I think. And what were you doing before that? Where, uh, where, where I guess, where in life were you when, uh, I guess okay. just take us back. Get, because take us because back. you seem to come out so formed, you know, so, what what happened prior? Well, I was I was fresh out of college. Um, you know, I got a <clears throat> very lucrative degree in creative writing from oh yeah from Chico, <laughs> from Chico State in California, and uh, yeah, I just rode that all the way to the to Fort Knox. I mean, it's just been very good to me. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, I had a, a couple of jobs after after that, but. Um, the biggest one was at Systematic, an old record distributor. And um, right when they hired me, I said, well, the thing is, I got to I gotta go away like in about a month. Some friends of mine are going on tour. Oh, really? Who are your friends? Vomit Launch. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so we're going to hire you. And then like we have to give you a vacation one month later. I said, yeah, yeah, you do. And I got the magazine done in, in time to take it on tour with them and basically it was just up to seattle and back to to chico so right. maybe like four or five days i guess um but once i decided to to do the magazine um just decided to do a magazine the next question was well so why what's going to be in it well um i don't really care i just want it to be interesting <laughs> um so i called up my my old friend lucian Tealens, who i'm still in touch with he's in the brent lewis ensemble with me and i had two questions um, how's work and what's new? <laughs> and then I just kind of sat back and let him go. And that's, uh -huh. that's all I needed. Uh, there was another guy who lived down the street named Fred Rini. He, uh, he was in the bring downs, national disgrace. Um, we, we were both told about each other many times before we actually met. Um, and then we were finally at some party and someone, you know, called to one of us and like both of us like turned around and looked at each other. 
are you that guy that everyone tells me I have to meet? Yeah, I think I am. Are you? And then like, <laughs> like and it turned out, yes, we should have met. We were, very, we were two peas in a pod. He's, he's, um, he's hilarious. And just everything out of his mouth is, is funny. And, um, so I thought, okay, this is another guy I want in the magazine. And I just called him up. And since he, he was in a band and was, uh, active doing stuff, making, he painted and made posters and flyers and things. Um, I had lots of his artwork all ready to go. And so I just called him up and chatted one Saturday morning and didn't tell him that I was recording it or anything. And Lucian mm-hmm. didn't know it either. I just like, they didn't mm-hmm. know it was in it. It was just a phone call and I taped it. Oh, wow. So they found out. Best time. <laughs> yeah. They like found this. out that there was a magazine and they were in it when it arrived on, on our porch wow <laughs> and the other one was alan bishop he knew it was an interview Very i actually cool. went to to um, arizona to meet with him and talk to him and all the letters were um these postcards from tom smith of oh to live and shave in la but yeah. back then it would have been peach, peach. of immortality correct? yeah yeah and I, I had ordered some cassettes from him from his one of his ads and mm-hmm. he kept not sending them to me <laughs> and so and but his responses were so hilarious that i kept pretending that i was really pissed off like just send me, <laughs> and then he would send me these like hyper apostrophized uh responses where it was kind of hard to tell what he was saying but he was just like you know mocking me and belittling me and then he finally sent the tapes and so i was like okay well the end of this has to be like me telling him that the tapes suck you know (laughs) (laughs) and uh, so i just published all of his unreadable letters that was the letter section that was the very first issue and i just had all this stuff you know it's just collecting Mm -hmm things stuff that i find on the ground flyers um stealing weird signs from the supermarket i remember finding a, a little thing that said homo milk and i thought well what an, <laughs> that, that's such a dumb way to abbreviate that because everyone's gonna yeah, notice that yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. but you know, like, oh, whatever i'm stealing it so i put it in my pocket so that was in there and strange strange packaging items so it was just all this stuff thrown into a, a basket and yeah, let's make a magazine. It's and so it's, great. I remember, I remember that Found magazine, you know, first started coming out. I was like, yeah, it's Banana Fish used to yeah. do that. Yeah, like yeah. just exactly. all the Found. I was like, that's a, yeah. So what, Um, I guess, were there other magazines or other artists or writers that you were, that had any sort of inspiration to you? Or was it pretty just kind of like a mix of a lot of things in your, in your brain and, and this kind of came out? It was definitely a mix of a lot of things in my brain. Mm-hmm. It's always a mix of a lot of right. things in my brain. I don't think I've ever been just one thing. Um, I mean, you know, when the magazine started out, it was, you know, a, a guy who lived down the street, one of my friends, yeah. and then one actual <laughs> artist. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like, here's the latest thing. Here's who's on tour to promote stuff. I guess there were a lot of negative examples. I was familiar with, with other fanzines and yeah. I thought, okay, that's definitely what I don't want to do. Yeah. I didn't really care, um, like I may have said before, necessarily about genre, about what what kind of art they made. As long as they were an interesting conversation, they can do or be whatever kind of person they are. So, and I, I think you can sort of see that. I mean, there's things about mad cow disease and um, uh, like teenage diaries. There's all yeah. sorts of, mm-hmm. you know, a, 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 um, canned ham, this karaoke duo yep. from Canada. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, stuff that some of some of the noise guys would like write me letters, whatever. No, but that's <laughs> the thing about Banana Fish is that it was your magazine, right? I mean, it's you got to choose all of the weirdness that went into it. 
and curate. You, you know, you when did you open it up to inviting other people to contribute to it? Because there are there are interviews and things submitted by other people. Yeah, uh, that kind of happened a little bit gradually. Um, although there were there were uh, there were always people helping out. I mean, the it was printed at a photocopy place that Barbara Manning worked at, and you know she'd give me a sweet deal. Um, uh, Alex Bear was she would proofread it. You know, there there were always people doing stuff. I, I definitely like being part of a group. I don't necessarily like being on my own or being the leader of a group. I like things like solid eye and smegma and laughums, you know, like all these people mm-hmm. who are doing it together collectively. And uh, like even the first, the first couple of issues where there were um, the record reviews, they were usually written during not necessarily a party, but a bunch of people sitting around and not even like consciously um, listening to a record and saying something directly about it, but just I was eavesdropping on people and writing stuff down and for later and trying to integrate it into the whole thing. The, okay. The, so it, that's why um, the early issues have a single column of reviews, but multiple authors, but you don't know like which person's <laughs> responsible for what, because it, it was yeah. all kind of done together. Yeah. I, I kind of like that. That's, I mean, in, in Brent Lewis, it, we do it the same way. It doesn't say who played the pots and pans and who played the kazoo and whatever. It just, here's all our names and there's all the sounds and you can, it doesn't matter who did what, because we're all doing it together. I, think maybe yeah. i've lost uh, no no, the thread. This, no it, you know that's how this goes that's how it's so funny because that is how and yeah. we know how this goes mm. so it all it's a flow there's no like mm. uh doesn't matter it, it, mm. it, much like a uh, much like an issue of banana fish i mm. mean it's gonna go from one thing to another <laughs> and there's but that is the thing i remember especially early on you know i think it was it would have been 98 um when when i first saw an issue of banana fish and it was uh, Banana Fish 10 uh, with Couch and the infamous Macron Info interview, mm-hmm. which will, of course gets all this. Mm. Um, but I, one of the, th- I remember being, again, this is 98. We mm. all, you know, we always kind of use it, you know, pre-internet, you know, you know, internet was certainly going, but it was the, 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 well, the, the kind of, uh, it was still, everything was still a mystery, I guess. Things were still mysteries in 98 and Banana Fish was a huge mystery to me in Lexington, Kentucky, where it was just like, what is this exactly with the, the multiple authors and I, I'm like, what, I don't know who's writing. I don't know. I didn't know. You know, I assumed you were, I assumed it was a ton, a ton of different people. I, now I probably realize a lot of it was just you under different Aliens. names. And, and like the that. blurring of reality yes. too was, was so um, appealing to us because you know, what is the truth? What is not the truth? It doesn't matter because this is what you're presented with. Yeah. And I love like the, the reviews of tapes or something where it would be like, talking about something completely different than the tape and then the last two sentences kind of like bring it all together or something like that. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that was definitely by design. A lot of the reviews in other magazines that I was reading were just, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't make this release sound like fun at all. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's obviously a positive review. This person wants me to think that this is a good album or they like it or whatever, but the way that they're describing it, what a drag. (laughs) And and growing up in a, in a relatively smallish town in Connecticut, um, you know, there were no record stores. There wasn't a magazine stand. There wasn't even a, really a bookstore that I remember. 
Well, yeah, there was a drugstore and they had mainstream magazines. Right. I mean, I used to read National Lampoon while standing there until they wow. chased me out. Oh, Amazing. Yeah. But, <laughs> of course. But um, mostly I would go to the public library and read um, back issues of Rolling Stone, which they had bound in these big hardcover blue generic things. Mm -hmm. And you could hear some of the stuff on FM radio, but I don't think there was a college radio station within within range. So... It wasn't until I moved to California in high school where there were used record stores and, you know, two and three dollar records where I could ever hear a lot of this stuff. So, um, you know, as I was making my way through listening to rock music a little bit at a time, whatever I could afford, like buying those Warner Brothers two dollar compilations. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I used to love those because I could hear all these things I'd never heard before. Um, the, the experience of of imagining what something's going to sound like based on what somebody else wrote about it. I think that kind of became an important thing to me so that when I got to the point where I decided I was going to do it, I had to make sure that what I was writing was something that I would want to read. It, and yeah, I think maybe because I had, a, um, I had so much focus for a couple of years on creative writing I think that really colored the the approach that I wanted to to take to it. Um, you know, most most reviewers they either feel obligated to be like a consumer guide, or they want to describe it, or they want to give some sort of historical context, or and those are all you know valid and useful. But that's not what I wanted to do. It's like no, no, I'm just gonna. Uh, you know, actively listen. You know, lie in my bed, stare at the ceiling, and try and turn off part of my brain, but keep enough of it on so that I can take notes with one hand and, um, and maybe make sense of it later on. A lot of times I couldn't even read my own writing. <laughs> so, yeah, I have that problem. Yeah. I, you know, have to listen to everything two or three times. One to just figure out if I had anything to daydream about while I listened to it. And then another time to formulate some sort of reaction, maybe one other time to, Help me solidify the the ideas that right. that I had about it, and it, yeah, it was just very. Um, it, it wasn't geared toward um, an audience like like we think of, like multiple people. Like maybe I had a roommate who I heard reading some, laughing through his bedroom door at something that I wrote, and so like maybe that was my idea of the audience. Right. Right. You know? right. Like, I just want to make, I just want to make this guy keep reading it. And I yeah. think that's probably, probably what anybody does. A guy who makes a movie mm -hmm. or a guy who, you know, or a, a dancer, like the, the, they all, the one thing they have in common is they just don't want to waste your time. They want to make you be, want to be there. And that's, you know, I just want you to turn the page yeah. to see what's coming next. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. Actually, you mentioned National Lampoon's and right when you mentioned, it, I was like, Oh, you know what? I bet that was actually probably, probably somewhat had to somewhat seeped in your brain. Just, just the, just that, especially those seventies national lampoons and ones in the early eighties that had to somehow seep into, yeah. it makes sense to me that, mm -hmm. that you were reading those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there were other, yeah, lots of literature too. I yeah. mean, Flannery O'Connor is, is my oh, favorite. Yeah. She's yeah. my favorite writer. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people assume it's JD Salinger who is a fascinating person, right. but 
Yeah, he's not my my favorite. I think she she is. But that the Salinger story is where the name is that where the name comes from. Yeah, yeah. I I'd, I'd done a radio show um, in college called The Shattered Future of Seymour Glass. It had this <laughs> like the last paragraph of the story gets re, uh, recited at the beginning, and then you hear multiple gunshots, which. The, the show had been on for several weeks until someone pointed out that, you know, if somebody's going to shoot themselves in the head, they wouldn't do it three or four times. <laughs> Pretty much the first one would be, you know, like, be the, like, oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 Well, it shows you how much I know about killing myself. You got to take a practice shot. <laughs> <laughs> when, when did so when did uh, I guess when did you start seeing like probably getting a lot of submissions when did when did that kind of start like people sending you tapes hmm. and and especially when did it when did it start kind of becoming you know very noise centric as you know for lack of a better kind of term or whatever probably maybe around well the issue number five was the first japanese noise person that was meritsbo right um and then I think there was a one Japanese artist in almost every issue after that. Um, but I guess that's probably around the time that I started getting people sending me stuff. Mm -hmm. Andy Bolas from Evil Moisture mm -hmm. was one of the first people to send me things. That, oh wow! Like that, it was something that I'd never heard of. I don't know. I don't know who this guy is, and it's just like, whoa, Yerm flowers. Okay, let's <laughs> yeah. put that in. Awesome. With just like was, a crazy cover, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it was just really fast and cut ups, and and I mean, really, I for me, the the peak of of noise is is it's tied for first place between Evil Moisture and Masona. Those are pretty much wow. my two. Mm -hmm. That's where I was at my peak as far as listening to it, and. As far as the magazine goes, I mean that's pretty early on. That's maybe yeah. issues eight and I think it, nine. Yeah, the the one the, it's like the yellow cover. The, it's and it's still newsprint. The the one with Masana and Evil Moisture. Um, the cover is. Yeah, it's not quite newsprint, or, or it's not the glossy. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it is that that paper. the The place it printed had two kinds of paper: newsprint and that white stuff. Oh, got which it. I can't remember the name of it anymore. But yeah, same printing process. Yeah. It's just a little brighter. Um. That issue, I mean, that issue is, that that was really the one, like I said, the 10th one was the first one I read, but that issue, I, luckily the guy who was kind of showing me all this had that issue. Mm. And that was one that just blew my world apart at the time because not only did you have Masana, not only did you have Evil Moisture, Maiko um, Hino's interviews in that, CCCC, mm -hmm. and then the reviews. There's all the, I, mm -hmm. I think that's one there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of gross reviews in that one. Maybe I am getting some mixed up, but yeah, just every that all, like I was saying, all the ads, all that kind of stuff, that issue was like a big pivotal point. I think probably for a lot of people who were just discovering this for the first time, and especially when it came out. I mean, we've carried that every yeah. place we move, you know, yeah. precious <laughs> yeah, just, cargo. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I would say around the, the time of issue number 10 with the macronympha thing, that's when it really, when, when the noise took over and that's, that, that's another yeah. couple of guys who, I, I didn't know anything about stuff just started showing up in the mail. Same with Prick Decay. They're in that, yep, that same yep, issue. Yep, I mean, yep. that, issue 10, I mean, it, that was huge. Yeah. It kind of blew me away too. Just yes. reading like mm, these Prick Decay people are hilarious and yes. weird. These Macronympha <laughs> people are hilarious and weird. This couch interview yeah. is amazing. These guys are sitting in my living room talking and they're having some sort of psychic battle with each other where I, the, the question would be asked and they would all just like look at each other like back and forth, <laughs> not saying anything. <laughs> thing and like what, are they answering it like in their minds what are you, what are you guys doing wow. yeah and it was just such an odd 
God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, there were so many things in that 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 issue that were so peculiar. And um, it was exactly, you know, like it totally followed the, the game plan. And yes. um, yeah, was, after, was couch was you was in person. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since I've gone back to that. But so that was they were out in San Francisco or in the Bay Area. Was that where you yeah, were? Yeah, yeah. The they they played at a record store and a bunch of us, you know, followed <sighs> them up to the record store. And then we came back to my house and uh, yeah, John Whitson from Holy Mountain. He was there. Um, Anthony Bedard, who you guys might know, he might have booked some shows for you in San Francisco. He was also in the Icky Boyfriends. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was he was there. Uh, there might have been some other people. Oh. Um, the lady from um, Duotron. Uh, um, uh, and yes. J- Jody? Yes, it is. Yeah. It is Jody. It yeah, is. She, yeah, yeah, yep. yep yeah, absolutely. she was there too. She was on tour with them. And uh, I think she's the cover of the Many Moods of Marlon Magus 7-inch, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're old. I, I might be wrong about that. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, that was huge. Yeah, just just having those. Uh, that's so cool that they, that was. So some were in person and some were obviously th- through the mail or, through the, or over the yeah. phone. Um, yeah, both. We did, yeah. we did mail and phone interviews. Well, and, you know, obviously we, you know, we've, we've mentioned to a few people that we're having you on and kind of, you know, what would, you know, what would you guys like to hear? Kind of like, what would you like to hear us ask Seymour? And the, 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 the main thing people ask is ask him about the macro interview. Cause that is yes. a very, that is a very, uh, mm. legendary interview uh, for a lot of people. It's, it's, it's pretty unhinged <laughs> i guess is a good word for it i don't know if that's a good word for it or not <laughs> but it's very true to it's to, very macro it's interview. very <laughs> macro so so how did you how did you kind of become aware of macro G- kind of give us the rundown of, of that the the tapes and the cdrs or maybe it was cds they started arriving in the mail mm-hmm. and it wasn't just you know porn it was you know transsexual porn or it was you know unusual fetish porn i mean (laughs) we've all seen naked people before but we haven't seen every kind of naked person before (laughs) and they definitely showed me some but then he also (laughs) joseph also sent a picture of a man on life support or in the hospital Mm -hmm. and he said that it was his father yeah yeah. And, and i i had no idea if it really was but to just sort of send someone something like that. And I was like, okay, I'm in like, what's the story of this picture that you say is your father. And I, yeah, I just wrote back to him. I was like, would you be interested in being in the magazine? And they said, hell yes, hell yes. And so I called him up and we, we talked and um, did the usual thing, transcribed it, sent it back to them. They moved some stuff around and elaborated on some things. I, you know, did some follow-up questions, but um, you know, yeah, it was all, checked and rechecked and they all gave it the thumbs up and years later i got a i think it was a letter maybe an email uh, from joseph where he kind of renounced it he said oh, he really? said he said it was of a bunch course. of bullshit and somebody else did a better interview with him and it's oh, like well, yeah. there you go i was like okay right, <laughs> but, I, I wasn't like marching around saying it was anything everybody else was telling me and john yeah. weiss told me that that sissy spacek did a table read for yes. a sissy spacek show and i thought <laughs> You did not. Oh, Come on, yes. John. Bullshit. And I, like, well, I then, saw that. <laughs> yeah. And then again, I thought, well, John Weiss isn't like a jokester. He's yeah. not a prankster. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't just come in yeah. here and make shit up with an arrow sticking through his head. Yeah. That's not John Weiss. He's not the Steve Martin of noise. Right, no. right. No. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe he's telling me the truth. I mean, he, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Is, that is such a weird compliment to be paid. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> like that is, I mean, that... Once I realized that that was true, that they really did, I thought, okay, 
So that was a really amazing. <laughs> it's, there's something about that. It's it's infamous. It's it's and, been passed and, around so much. Yeah. And I do, like, and you know, I always do want to know. Did you you know, did you start doing sit ups and push ups because Joe because of Joe? I mean, I think in that interview he talks about how he did. He's, he's like how many you know, he loves doing like a hundred <laughs> sit ups or something and then recording. There's something like that. And it has been a minute since I read it. I should have read it before this. But I think he asks you something like that. Like do you like you do sit ups Seymour or something like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, my answer is probably like I'm not sure what yeah. what do they look like yeah. or something. No, and then they sent you the pictures, probably that you obviously that you used in the in the in the article and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I think they talked about uh, the guy who put the rat in his mouth or mm-hmm. something, wore a diaper. Yeah, yeah, like some of the things that they sent after after the fact. But. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, and then also just the way the just the 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 title of the article and the image. I mean, just noise, you know, with the. Oh, mean sheets. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. The guy who did the cover of number eight, the one that has the Andy Bolas with yeah. the, the, um, the kind of like the, the Mexican death magazine yeah, looking with yeah. the Ouija yeah, parodies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he did the artwork for that. I asked him, like, yeah, I want you to do like a severed, yeah. severed cock with semen coming out of it, <laughs> like in a big puddle. And he's like, okay, yeah. So, there you go. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Hearing that, hearing that red actually makes it even more uncomfortable and awkward to that interview. Like, it's, the cadence of someone having that conversation is really, really strange. When they did it, did they read it in the style that Joseph and, and Roger talk? Yes. That tough guy? Yeah. Uh, it was my voice, like, really high-pitched and <laughs> like kind of frightened, like a, th- like a mouse. I'm trying to remember who did your part now. It's, uh, it was This was almost 10 years ago now, I think. Mm. Nine, nine years ago. Mm. Um, before we were here. But, yeah, yeah. It's, I remember hearing about it happening. I believe there's a recording. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> and at the time, you know, I didn't think it was anything um, special in context. I thought all of them were just hilarious and we're equally. That one didn't stand out to me at all. There's the, the couch and the prick decay were, were just oh, well, as. Oh, well, yeah. well, with the prick decay, something I wanted to bring about that is the thing about prick decay is that because of that article, our, when we were reading that when you we were 18, up until. Uh, probably too later than we should have realized. We really did think that they were brother and sister. That's how when Mike introduced because it me says to it in the interview, yeah. they they keep saying on their brother and sister. I can't remember how they phrase it in yeah. the interview, even if like one's adopted or something. But they they go into this like thing, and so forever. I'm like, dude, that band is so crazy. They're like, <clears throat> they're incestuous. Yeah, did you know that? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And I, no, <laughs> I I did realize later when I did finally meet Dylan. I I told him that they're like, I gotta say, yes. like we totally. Th-. He's like, that's amazing. You know, like. But there I, was part of that in Banana Fish, this this kind of like you didn't know what was what was real and not kind of like what Tara saying, the blurring of the reality and, hmm. and, the, and the. I had sort of turned off my critical faculties to some extent. If someone was going to tell me a story, I didn't take the time to really even consider, is this true or not? I'm just going to play along with it regardless. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And then what happened? Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> I love that, though. That's why I, was, I love that. I was just in. Um, England in April playing at color out of space. And I met Dora doll mm-hmm. and, you know, I was talking to her and uh, someone came up and they said, hello. And I said, Oh, here, this is, this is Dylan's sister. Um, <laughs> and she like kind of looked at me like, and kind of, you know, I was like, oh, wow. So, I mean, yeah, yeah. you may have been embarrassed. I just realized, like, oh, within see? the last six months. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I was like, oh, right. Yeah, there's, there's no way that they're brothers. We literally <laughs> thought that, like, yeah. up, up until we, we, we thought it for a long time. We told people about it. We told it. Like, dude, yeah, oh, this you band is yeah, crazy. Wild. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, that 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 inter- that uh, uh, issue is so. It wasn't Kaki SP in there too. I don't think there might have been some Kaki yeah. SP like write up or something like that. I don't remember if there was ever an actual Kaki SP interview. No, there wasn't. There, I'm sure it was somewhere in in there. There would have been either an ad or in I think the review that's section. Part of the fun of Banana Fish is the the myth making and the having the like talking about having these artifacts, but also just never knowing what to expect and never knowing what's real in it or like reading a review. And one of the reasons maybe we don't put clips in uh, the podcast here of stuff we're talking about is because you talking about it or giving some weird anecdotal information about something else in relation to this release makes it way more interesting, at least for me than sort of hearing a sound and going, Oh yeah, it does sound like a laser or whatever. Like that's yeah. right. Well, and we that's want people to a, listen to it. Yeah, yeah. And you're supposed to, and you're supposed to listen to the record, not just be told what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, every once in a while someone says, why don't you start the magazine again? And I really want to say, why don't you go fuck yourself? But I <laughs> I, I usually say, okay, do you have $50,000? And I, I told Spencer, yeah, that. And he said, why Why do you ask for that amount of money? And I said, that's just a, a big number that will change the subject because I don't really want to talk about it. Uh with, with a person who say, yo, you should really start the magazine again. It's like, really, the people who say that, do you have any idea how difficult and time consuming and all just it just kind of takes you over? Yeah, um, it's thick. It's not it's not like you do like a, a tiny zine. It was it was heavy and yeah. full of material. And I can't imagine like putting it all together. It, yeah, yeah. It, it took a year to do it. And so each, so actually, yeah. So each issue basically took roughly a year, correct? Yeah. I mean, were, that's were, while having a full-time were, job. Were you, but were you pretty much working on it every single day in some capacity, whether or not you were getting a tape <laughs> in the mail and mm. I, guess, I guess what was, oh, so what was the, what was the process? I guess, let's just say issue 10. Let's just use that as an issue. What would have been the general process of putting that together? <laughs> issue nine comes out. Mm, it's out. Mm. It's in the world. Yeah. Next day, you just get started. You on take a nap. 10. You sleep till nine a.m. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe take a month off of yeah. not doing anything, yeah. but also you know maybe writing some letters like, "Hey, did you get the last issue I sent? Do you want to be in the next one?" Mm-hmm. And maybe start the correspondence if it's a written interview uh, or are you going to be in town or should we do a phone interview? Yeah, put, put, yeah. Putting it together. But the, the most time consuming thing was the record reviews. Like the stuff comes in or also you find out that it's getting released. And a lot of times you got to go buy it yourself because yeah, not yeah. everyone's going to send you everything. Um, And on, on that front, you know, you have to, you have to give it up to Ron Lassard. I mean, without him, none of us would be here. We wouldn't even know who, who we, each other are. No 100%. question about that. Yes. No question about that. And I mean, if it, if it, the, the transition from, you know, whatever I wanted to a uh, heavy reliance on on noise and what was going on in that world, it's because of him. He's mm-hmm. the one who turned me on to everything. A lot of times I just call him up. I have a hundred bucks to spend. What should I buy? Yeah. Or maybe I knew one thing I wanted to get and he would say, okay, yep, got that set, set aside for you. Here's this other stuff you got to pick up. Um, but uh, where are we just talking? Well, the, the process of putting it <laughs> right. together. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there's a, a certain amount of weeding out where you like listen to all the stuff and you kind of start with like, yes or no, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, and then you get all your yeses and then you listen to them again. And like, OK, so how are we going to divide this up? You can do it by region, by who's in the group, genre, sub genre, mm-hmm. you know, how are you going to organize these things? Uh, and then it. it kind of branched out from there i mean once it got into noise it also started to like well maybe we should start listening to some of these composers that a lot of these people mention and it's 
it's tough to go from like evil moisture to Luke Ferrari or Pierre Schaefer. I mean, those guys sound like really old and tired after, if you're used to evil moisture, it took me a long time to like really find my, my groove with them. Even somebody like Zanakis or, or Gordon Mama, who, you know, sometimes they can be a little bit on the screechy side, but you know, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I have like, you know, six inches of Merzbo yeah. LPs. So like Zanakis, you're not really, you're not so tough, but, but eventually you kind of get there and you really fall into their, their sound world and you, you get why, why they're there, yeah. why, why they're, what's so amazing about what they're doing. Um, and, and, and that might be where I got to the point where I, I need to get other people to do some of this stuff. Right, right. I mean, mm-hmm. It seemed like there was a lot. I was sort of getting interested in free jazz a little bit. Um, everyone, you know, goes through a free free jazz <laughs> phase. Um, but I also really liked, you know, like novelty stuff. Um, you know, Nurse with Wound had 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 used a lot of those things on their records. And uh, Strength Through Joy, they were in issue number two. He was a big fan of Nurse with Wound and White House. But he also really loved Spike Jones And... Um, uh, the guys who did the music for Bugs Bunny cartoons. And like, oh, if you yeah. listen to the, that music, it's, it's crazy. I mean, a lot of stops and starts and like it, cause it's not following musical logic. It's following on screen logic. Yeah. So to listen to them without watching, you know, Bugs and Elmer and Daffy and all the rest, it's, it's really weird sounding music. And so I kind of felt like I want to talk about all this stuff, but then, you know, there's also comics and painting and, you know, millions of other things that people are doing. Um, you know, I, there was a Neil Hamburger tour diary. You oh, know, yes. I mean, Heck yes, there was. There's so many, <laughs> so many different things. And then, like we, I mentioned before, there's an article on mad cow disease. Yeah. For some reason, <laughs> like it's it's scary and disgusting. But yeah, okay, I yeah, I'm I'm down with. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it just every everything had to. It just required more. People, I, if you know someone who can do something better than you can, have them do it. Well, yeah, have them do it. Have them do it. <laughs> when did you start working with Greg uh, Turkington? Um, because he contributed to a, a couple, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, there was an interview with the Easy Goings in number six, mm-hmm. and then a Neil Hamburger tour diary. I don't know what it was nine, ten. Yeah, what, I can't some, remember. I know I've seen maybe it. Twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I, and his, his zine breakfast without meat, going back to your earlier question mm-hmm. that I didn't really answer, what were my inspirations? Mm-hmm. That was definitely, one oh, of cool, my, cool. I I've never that. seen that. It's, it was, it was one of those things sort of like Andy's new magazine, barbecued mm-hmm. humans, where you don't really know what's coming on the next page. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, a really great time for, for anything. It, it's, it's. It's in a lot of ways, it's a throwback to when uh-huh. things aren't so codified, where it's um, it's not all the same thing. It's, oh, totally. Yeah. That, which like almost doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. It, or, you know, it's very it's it's hard to find something like that that exists. Like something across genres and even like species of media. Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. right. now, if you if you find a, a good magazine about something that you like, chances are it's going to be only about that yes. one thing. Right. Yeah. Instead of like just this whole other world. And who likes just one thing? Yeah. I don't know. Not me. It's it's difficult to do more than one thing well. That's certainly true, and that's why you need multiple, multiple people, multiple people yeah. to to get in there and <clears throat> make it work. So, did you would you kind of set a self imposed deadline? So, so or did you? Or, 
I guess, did you set kind of self-imposed rules? Like, okay, I want X amount of interviews. You know, we want to make sure we have this amount. Or was it was it just kind of, here? here's everything I've collected over this year, and now let's see how we put it together. At first, I didn't really think about, um, like, how how big a magazine was going to go. I just I just kept doing it until I felt like I had enough, just based on intuition. And we got to the fifth issue, which was very, very thick. That was the last one that was that small... Mm-hmm. size um eight and a half by seven and by then yeah it was only the second one with a with a 45 and again ron lassard made that happen he said you know i've seen the first three issues of your magazine i don't know who any of these people are why don't you do a 45 with them with tracks by that's those people amazing. that's cool that he had that idea yeah he did that with several different magazines i think he did it with low life and um i think the tape beatles had a magazine called retro futurism he did an issue with them and yeah, he said, I'll do the 45, you do the magazine, then we'll swap half the pressing for each. And, um, it worked out great just because you could put the magazine in the 45 in a seven inch bag and then just the name of the magazine would be sticking out of the top. Um, so on, on issue number four, it was just like, wow, this is really the, the design of this really worked out well. But then the next issue, I just, like, wow, with Ron like doing this, I did way too much. And it was like over twice the size of of issue number four. Mm-hmm. And I realized this is going to be way too expensive. And I, you know, I had to call Ron's like, I've made a horrible mistake. The, the, the new issue is something like 160 pages long and I can't afford to pay for it. And I know that we had this thing with the 45. He goes, oh, no, 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 that was... We, we I set it up that way just because the cost was about the same. But no, we'll add them both together and cut it in half. So like, oh, very oh, cool! Wow, that's Yay. so very nice. cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you know, after a couple more issues like that, um, I realized you know I'm doing all of the work, and I have to give away like so many like to the artists to the yeah. mm-hmm. few advertisers to people who I want to continue to send me uh, free records um and Ron is pretty much selling half of them so he's kind of <laughs> he's paying for it and he's selling it but he's not really working on it I'm doing all the, all the quote work with the other people who are also doing the work um but we don't have anything to sell and I was like, oh, man, now this is this has gotten out of control. I've I've made it too big for my own good. You know, I was like, how did I how do I paint myself into a corner like this all the time? <laughs> why, why do I do this? And and then eventually the guy at Revolver said, you know, he said, how does that work? Why do you why do you do it this way? And like I explained it to him and 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 he said, OK, tell you what, we'll pay for everything, not just split it with you. And you can have as many as you want to service everybody and to, you know, if you want to sell some. But we'll also take everything. We'll sell it. We'll distribute it for you. And we'll pay you for every one that we sold. Oh, wow. So, Amazing. So I said, oh, okay. It's like a manufacturing yeah. distribution. P and distribu- D. Yeah. 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 And they said, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, let's do that. Hey, Ron, thanks for everything, but I've met someone prettier. And, like, um, and he, you know, and to his credit, he was like, yeah, OK. And yeah. Like, well, then because you, you guys continue to work because he's he does. He like hosts the one CD, right? Yeah. Yeah. He might have he might have still been doing it, uh, doing the CDs at that point. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so so with that issue five and the how many copies did you do? 
usually we did a thousand. Wow. I'm not, I've actually never seen, I don't have that. I've actually never Mm-mm. seen one. I've never seen anyone who has one. The earlier one, that might've been the first one where we did a thousand. Maybe it was only 800. Who, I can't remember. Who's on but, the seven inch? Do you remember on that first one? Is Mersbau one of them? Yeah, Mertzbau and um, the Shut Up Little Man guys. I, I asked him oh, if I could do a yes. mix of it. It's only like 30 seconds or something. <laughs> well, but. perfect, because that is something that I've wanted to talk to you about is the Shut Up Little Man. Uh-huh. Uh, so if anyone uh, doesn't know what this is, shut up. Well, actually, you'll be the better person to explain. But um, if you want to go watch a great documentary, there is a documentary called Shut Up Little Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is one of the great... Uh, I don't. I don't even know how to how to describe it. So I'm not going to. We're going to shoot that over to Seymour. But, but you will be so, saying "Shut up, little man." You'll be quoting it constantly. I, 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 so one, you see it one time you're and you're a done. Little man. Yeah, if you want to talk to me, then shut your fucking mouth. Yeah. So so give us give us a little background and give us uh, what from kind of your how you kind of got involved with "Shut Up, Little Man." There there was a period of time where it seemed like a lot of that sort of thing was was in the air. I. I think it was maybe a little bit after the Simpsons used to have Bart calling Mo Sislak and he would, <laughs> right, he, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He would do those two bar type things. Yeah. So two bar was one of them where the, the actual record with the prank phone calls. And then there was um, a, a cassette of Dion McGregor that was making the rounds. That was an LP that came out in the sixties on DECA and a friend of mine, uh, Phil Milstein, he sent me a tape of it and and then uh, a friend of the Thinking Fellers, I think it was someone from Iowa in Horny Genius, had these guys in San Francisco who were drunk and constantly swearing at each other. And it just sort of seemed like at the same time, there were all of these spoken word cassettes that were being duplicated and mm-hmm. passed around. And in this crowd of people that I was you know, friends with, it was a lot of the Thinking Fellers, uh, World of Pooh. Uh, some of the people in Carolina, you know, Greg Turkington, all, all this, this whole crowd in San Francisco. Basically, we were all at home at night listening to these different spoken word cassettes of <laughs> various quality and varieties. And then all like meeting up, the, you know, later on, it's like just it was something in the air. Yeah, we were yeah. all just talking about prank phone calls and and people who were talking in their sleep wow. and that's that's what Dion McGregor does he was a, a I, I don't that. know this. Yeah, I don't know the deal. I mean, we of course love great phone calls with. I mean, mm-hmm. Turkington's great phone well. calls is one of the greats, but <laughs> but I don't know that this. Uh, the, I'm, I'm pronouncing his name right. It looks like it's pronounced Dion, D I O N, but it's Dion apparently. Okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he lived in, in New York City. Um, I think it was maybe in the '60s or seven. It was the '60s, maybe late, even late '50s. And he would he was a, a songwriter for like uh, Broadway shows, and he would have these dreams and he would be talking very loudly. I mean, it's kind of unbelievable that he wouldn't wake himself up because he was shouting and screaming, but he was having these stories and like you'd hear one half of the dialogue of these characters that were going on in his head. And you can hear like the traffic, you know, going by, you know, up and down some street in Manhattan and, uh, you know, ruffling curtains and things. And, And the thing is, even if it's a prank, even if it's some guy who's, pretending it's the stories are still amazing this guy is like extemporizing these weird tales right. and a lot of it is they're they're incomplete and you kind of have to figure out what's going on and and to their credit they don't really uh, introduce them right uh, coil and sharp that's another one the absurd imposters. yes which you did which you did there's an article in in uh banana fish yes uh, yeah i that, tracked that, that guy down. i met him he he was 
uh, one of them is a, uh, Mal Sharp. He's the one who's still alive. He uh, plays, um, I think, sax in like uh, in jazz bands, yeah. kind of loungy, yeah. you know, like fern bar type yeah. jazz. Nothing like Arthur Doyle or anything. Right. Um, but yeah, he played at someone's wedding, and like, you're like you're Mal Sharp from the Assert Imposters, and I like you know threw myself down on the sidewalk and <laughs> k- kissed his his shoes. And <laughs> you're you know. Um, like I really, uh, you know, anyway, uh, so, cool. so yeah, that was another thing yeah. that was kind of making the rounds, but those LPs, when they were released, they had to have kind of like this sort of Alan Funt type guy kind of set, set up the wackiness for you. And they would all end with a boing. Yeah. And the, the Diane McGregor things did not have that. It was just this talking, maybe there were liner notes on the record, but they didn't really put it in context. Right. For that was one thing about them that I really liked. And, um, but the shut up little man. Yeah, yeah. So, so how did so how did you no you weren't you weren't like the because it actually has been a while since I've seen the documentary. How how did you like did you meet the people who were making the recordings or did it kind of come to you uh, like through someone through other I, people? I didn't meet them until the, that movie premiered in San Francisco. Oh, okay. Right around the corner. But yeah, we'd been in touch for years, and I, yeah, I tracked them down, yeah. and uh, it turned out that the place that that was recorded was like a block and a half from where I had lived for a couple of years. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow. And in fact, um, right across the street from that, there was some graffiti on the wall of another building. It said, the future is timeless, positive, and infinite. And that was the title that I used for the very first seven inch that came with Banana Fish. Oh, wow. Yeah, that graffiti, the name of that was right across the street from from where That's those so guys cool. lived. So yeah, we we corresponded for years, and we tried to meet a couple of times. And I don't know if 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 they ghosted me or or what, but we would like I'll meet you at this bar at this time, and I might have even been wearing a Shut Up Little Man T shirt like right by the door, <laughs> right. and he never came in. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's like, well, okay, maybe next time. But uh, yeah, they, they when they were making that m- movie, they contacted me, and it had been years since I, you know, I, I kind of had my fun with it. I do. I did a batch of a hundred each of the cassettes just because people were constantly asking me for them. And I thought, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I got um, Andy and Mitchell's permission. They said, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And I sent them a couple and, but then, uh, you know, somebody else wanted to do a CD, but just a sentence here too. It, like it wasn't a 20 minute thing. And that was, that was to me, just having someone swearing like that wasn't anything. Anybody can do that. You had to really listen to this low quality cassette pre- to me, preferably alone in the dark, you know, like <laughs> as you're going to sleep, you know, and just listen to these two guys argue because that's kind of how they were recorded. As yeah. they were your own neighbors. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And um, and then other people kind of like adapted it for plays and it kind of, I started to hear all these other people getting in on it. And uh, I, I didn't felt like um, I had any claim to it, but it just sort of started to get ugly and contentious. People were bickering about, you know, um, who had the right to do it. And I just thought, okay, I've had my fun with it. If you guys want to turn it into something else, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't need, to turn this into something. I just want it to be what it is. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. just the guys arguing. Um, so when they asked me to be in the movie, I said, no, no, thanks. I don't want to be in the movie. I, I had my time with it because it was like decades ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause yeah. the movie was only from a few years ago. Exactly. When I went to the movie though, and they were like asking um, all these different people about the exploitative nature of it. And everybody's kind of like backpedaling and rationalizing <laughs> and justifying it. 
I was thinking, oh, maybe I should have been in the movie because if they had asked me about it, I would have said, hell yes, I was trying to exploit them. Fuck those guys. You know, like, <laughs> look, if you if you expect to have a right to privacy, then stop screaming at the top of your lungs. You know, it's like you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. you know, be, talk quieter and no one can hear you and guess what you have all the privacy anyone could want um that's probably what i w- would have said if, if confronted with that that question but at the same time i'm glad i wasn't in the movie because it was premiered at this this gay and lesbian film festival and a lot of the people in the audience were very angry oh, really? about about how exploitative it was. Uh. And, um, you know, they said, you know, we people would stand up like, I get that, you know, these guys were antagonizing you to some uh, extent and you you had your youthful fun. You were like poking fun at the old men. But years have gone by. They're not even alive anymore. And here you are. Like, you know, fielding questions at a premiere of a film about this thing that you did based on uh, on all of their stuff. It seems kind of exploitive and, and exploitative. And plus, these men were gay. And so a lot of the people kind of sided with them out of a sense of, you know, loyalty and identity politics, which, you know, OK, fine. Eddie was like he didn't he didn't really have a good answer for that. He said, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. I have a lot of mixed feelings about this. And you got to understand, though, I didn't make this movie. They this isn't my movie. I'm just in it. And they asked me questions. They're going to make the movie anyway. And so I'm just, you know, but but people were they were they put him in the hot seat. And at the very end, a lot of in and also a lot of in a lot of ways, the questions were very long winded. And like anytime you have a question and answer with a visiting celebrity whether it's like in a college hall a gymnasium or a theater like you know you know what it is like the person just loves the sound of their own voice and they just like everyone has to listen to me because i'm (laughs) talking q and a's are some of the worst i'm talking to frederick (laughs) weissman now i'm like oh god there was was a little bit of that um some of these people were being very dramatic in their their line of questioning but at the very end there was this one guy stood up and said I have a question for you and I didn't really see it addressed in the, in the uh, film at all or in the the comic books and the, the other articles and all the other literature surrounding um, shut up little man, the phenomenon. Has anybody ever looked into the fact that both of these guys were um, Vietnam war vets and they're probably suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome. And you could just sort of hear this murmur (laughs) go throughout the theater. Like, Oh, yes. Whoa. That's a really good question. Yeah. And like, and, and like Andy, uh, Andy, uh, Eddie looked over at the filmmaker and like, I, like they just realized their movie isn't done yet. That's what I thought to myself. Like, yeah, this movie isn't done yet. Now it's really interesting. You got to cut out all that, all that bullshit and oh, like put wow. in, you you know, this guy just made your movie so much better. And I don't know if they ever like went, went back and changed. I don't think that, cause I, cause I, cause I you saying that. that again, it has been a while, but I, that doesn't ring a bell to me. That yeah. It doesn't, it's yeah. not, it's never mentioned at all. It's like, yeah. Oh yeah, of course these guys who, like went through some sort of horror show wow. like the Vietnam War. Of course, they use the most aggressive, hateful language to communicate now because yeah. they've been damaged by it and they drink themselves into oblivion mm-hmm. every chance they get. Yeah, that makes. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense, but it's understandable. It, it puts it, it in, it frames it differently. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
suddenly it's not so fun anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, guy, yeah. yeah you know what, guys? Don't go look that up. I remember I said earlier, go <laughs> look it up. You know what? Now we're, you know, now it's just a bummer. Um, was that, was that aside from the CDs and seven inches that came with the, with the magazine, was that the only thing you released like as kind of like a, his own thing, like a standalone thing? The Shut Up Little Man tapes? Um, I did some t-shirts. It just said Shut Up Little Man in big red letters. And oh, then yeah. I stole the logo from a Japanese comic strip, comic book called Banana yeah. Fish. Had oh, yes. yes. Believe me. And that's very been, the, difficult the, that's been a curse yeah. because <laughs> like we, we did mention earlier off mic, um, we were saying how you know, doing this podcast, a lot of times when we, do, when we focus on an artist, obviously we want to get a lot of research and banana fish is the invaluable source. But if you don't own a lot of these issues, it's not, you cannot find a scan, a, a PDF. So uh, just uh, someone typing up the interview. What you do find is that Japanese comic banana so fish. Yeah. 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 But, the, old, but, the good old pirating days are gone. You well, used to be able to find scans not, of it's everything. It's not good. It's, I'm glad. I am glad <laughs> I'm they're glad gone. That's gone. I'm too. glad. I I don't. I'm in some ways. I'm happy that that these don't exist. It is. It can be frustrating uh, when we're trying to get some information two nights before. But um, do you, there is something about, and I think GX brought this up in his in his episode about how you know with this whole internet, we. We were all we were always well. Everything's going to be there now forever, and it's all going to be mm-hmm. on the internet. And it's all going to be archived on the internet. But instead, what we're seeing, and actually, Mayuko talks about it in her banana fish interview, the, the with this information explosion, it's going to be more controlled by uh, less. It's going to be controlled by fewer fewer, fewer people. people yeah. and you're not going to. It's going to be <laughs> held, and you're not going to get. So these banana fish issues are going the way of. I mean, if you don't have issue five, you. That's it. I mean, you can't actually see, you can't read it, you know, um, do, but it just as someone who has worked in writing and publishing, I mean, is this something, do you, do you understand what I'm saying? When it, like how it, it, it's not really all there anymore. It's actually harder to get it. And it's hard to get your hands on. Yeah. And even if it is there, um, it's, you have to know that you're looking for it. You can't, Correct. it's, it's, you're not going to just stumble upon it. Um, and go, oh, what's this thing I didn't know about and none of my friends know about? Right, you know? right. Which is how you can find how it used to be. You just you'd be the one to turn your friends on to some new thing that you found by accident. Um, Even websites like who goes <laughs> to websites now? Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. you used to be able to see like if it's not a, if it's not on Instagram or Facebook, it basically doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> well, our own Tara Carly uses the Wayback Machine. I love yeah. the Wayback Machine so much. <laughs> but yeah, even still, I have self abuse and uh, MSBR like as my home pages on my phone uh, from like I think ninety eight. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. But yeah, but so have you considered it all? re-releasing or, or collecting some of those that like again basically five through five through ten or so are pretty much gone we ask selfishly mm. yeah yeah we ask very selfishly um, i mean <laughs> one through four are collected and then from about 10 on you say there's you can maybe still get those yeah i think the discs for for um 10 are all gone and i just found a box of discs for number 16 um, so I stopped, I had stopped selling that one too. Um, but I don't have any covers for the disc. So I may just like, okay, well, here's another 50 copies of this. And I'll probably just make some sort of photocopy right, right. version of it and put it in a little Mylar envelope or something. Um, 
And are those for sale on TDM House? Yeah, yeah. The number 16 isn't yet, but um, if someone places an order for something, uh, you know, I'll throw a copy of issue 10 in there. I have copies of that left over, and same with 16. Um, a lot of times, if people will just ask, you know, if someone's doing an article on whatever, yeah. Smegma or Mad Cow, and they, they email me or <laughs> yeah. whatever, and they say, will you photocopy this for me or scan it? Like, yeah, sure, I will. Well, we we will be putting <clears throat> you to work. So, so. <laughs> <laughs> And if, if it's an issue that's still in print, you know, and I see someone on Facebook saying, can someone upload a PDF? If, if I see it, I say, can someone please not? I I will send you the, just pay the postage on it. I will give them away yeah. at this point. Some of them, I, I have like multiple stacks, like wow. taller than all of us. Wow, that seems insane. I'm to me. drooling. I can't believe that. Yeah, <laughs> but 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 pretty much one through nine don't that you have maybe one copy or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <gasps> um, uh, have you ever seen the like the what? I've never seen the ones with seven inches. Have you, Greg? The earliest one I have is ten. I want to say wow, or and then you maybe have the, nine, yeah. and then the book, the collection. Yeah. Um, Four through nine had seven inches with them. Yeah, I feel uh, like I had one that had a seven inch though. Well, so I, we don't have don't the have seven to... inch for the one with no. Masana and Evil Moisture. We only have I've never had that one with who was on that seven inch was Masana. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think um, there was a, a Raymond Scott track, a Dame Darcy track. Awesome. I, I, there I must have been her. an Evil Moisture track. Um, but yeah, I think almost everybody who's in there had had something on. Wow. You know, speaking of lost of time, I'm, I'm thinking of like, it's it's funny how, I guess we thought the internet would be uh, an archive of some of this stuff, sort of like a mm-hmm. microfiche or whatever at the yeah. library. Dude. We're like, no, we, we can totally go get newspapers from the 1930s yeah. and yeah. find this stuff, but no one's scanning like Muckraker, Banana Fish, you know, yeah. noise magazines from the 90s and, and putting them in any sort of archive. If, and I, have you thought about doing like digital like a, like a you know PDF ebook sales or anything like that. Maybe not sales, but um, you know if I if I had to have surgery on one of my hands or you know if I was in bed for a month <laughs> or something, I might consider doing it. But I kind of I have other stuff that I want to do. Yeah. That that's not that. You know now I like to play live as much as I can and record sure. with Brent Lewis and the glands of external secretion and. And yeah. thank you. That's great. Yeah, who we're, we will be seeing. Can't wait. Well, t- after this will have come out already, but yeah. we will have. What a great show you played! <laughs> oh, Quaxio. that was so good. That was oh, a, yeah. your set was unbelievable. I know. When Barbara Manning punched that cop right in the I face, I couldn't <laughs> believe it. And they came in he guns blazing. Yeah. And well, then you kind of took that one that like shotgun. You kind of like did like almost like a ramble, like a ramble. Like you turned it on them, and it was. And then really tied impressive. a knot in it. I've never seen someone Dude, tie a knot in a shotgun. A it was pure shotgun. adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow, that show is incredible. Um, well, you should, I mean, look, you should also think about having someone else do that, too. There's, I'm sure you could find someone uh, we who say would do selfishly. something like that. <laughs> we say selfishly. So we're... Allow us to serve our interests a little yeah. bit. <laughs> well, yeah, the layout process, was that was that something, were you doing those by hand for the early ones, I assume, cut and paste, and were you using a computer at any point to, to lay out the banana fish? Later issues, I, I was. Um, yeah, the first one, I just just threw stuff down on a piece of paper and it wasn't until it was photocopied and, and, you know, printed that I realized, Oh my God, this is just, 
everything's all crooked and like I need to get one of those <laughs> I need to get one of those pencils that you know light blue non repro yeah, yeah. pencils yeah. and so then I got pieces of paper and I drew the lines on them so that I could line everything up and then the next issue I realized oh dude they have paper with those lines already on them for you <laughs> oh okay all right uh, you know did that I also learned about half tones for you know uh, photos they, mm-hmm. so they didn't come out all like high contrast um, and. For a couple issues, I was just using Microsoft Word to do it and printing things out in one column and then cutting each one out and then gluing that down I on that. the paper wow. with the blue line. So every and rules. Yeah. Every, when did the computer usage start for layout? Uh I want to say maybe like number number nine. There was a an interview with a group from Finland. Oh, uh, I can't remember the the vacuum cleaners. Okay. And that was the first I I had uh maybe it was he was number 8, 7 or 8, somewhere around there. Phil Milstein said you need to get a a program called Quark. I I use it at work and I will send you a copy of it and you can use this. But I I and I I did use that and that made multiple columns and putting images in certain positions possible, but I still didn't uh, the, the the computer that I was using, I mean, it still read like three and a half inch floppy disks. So, right. <laughs> so I Yay. think that the very first issue, the first article that had an image that someone sent me was uh, a computer image, um, was the vacuum cleaners thing. And it was all like pixelated, yeah, although I didn't even know what that word meant at yeah. the time. But it was all like the, the big squares. Like, why does it look so shitty? Well, I don't know. I'll figure it out. And just like every issue, there was like. There was like after it came out, it was like someone who knew about it would tell me what went wrong, and I would always go, "Oh," I mean, <laughs> all, all the way up until the very the very end. I mean, the the printer, you know, said, you know, if you, I was still printing out a, a whole sheet of paper on a laser printer, and then they would give you these big boards, and you would print, uh, put put four p- pages down, and then they would take a camera and shoot it from above. And they would make their metal plates out of those four pictures like that. But it would cost you a generation. So for like high contrast stuff like type, no problem. But the images, they would degrade a little bit. Mm-hmm. And the, the one of the printer guys said, you know, if we do direct to plate, you just send us your whole magazine computer files. We don't have to do that next step. We just send it right to the plating. And so the very last issue was the one with like nice, crisp, professional looking photo reproductions You're like, like yeah. oh that was easy great right, of course right it only Perfect. took 18 years to finally get it to where so I you wanted, got it but... right and then you stopped yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, here good. we go we're good <laughs> but uh yeah i mean I'm, I'm a naturally sloppy clumsy person i'm constantly bumping into stuff you know and like i'm like scratching my head with my glasses <laughs> in my hands like i don't know where my glasses are you know <laughs> honey can you find my glasses and she said look to your right Further, further. Now look down. What's that thing at the end of your arm? Oh, it's holding my glasses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah. I feel I like mean, we have a lot in common. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's so, relatable. I, I love things like computers. They just make it so much easier to be neat. Yeah. I, I want the magazine to be, I wanted it to be neat and presentable. And, you know, if if it was going to be confusing or off-putting or whatever, I wanted it to be because of the content, not because you know, this idiot doesn't know what he's doing. I don't, I don't want to be that idiot who doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, no, it, that's, I think that's the thing. It never comes off that way. It, the, the, 
some of the earlier issues kind of have that. Right. But the real, the, you know, the big, the, the, once you start getting into, you know, the, the glossy covers and stuff, I mean, it was so professional. And I think that's, we were all like, this is so like, it's the source of truth. Even if the truth happened to be lies, it was the, it was the Bible we had, you know, yeah, it it legitimizes the the thing, you know, like all these things that we like that may be handmade and maybe made by a bunch of sloppy maniacs, like somehow it legitimized the things that we love and, and maybe even, you know, the culture and experimental music. And so I think that's why it was so important. Well, even down to like the fact that some of those reviews, I mean, yeah, say an issue took a year to come out. You might've gotten a, an old gross tape, you know, in, you know, in January, yeah. by the time the issue comes out, that tape it's is done. long gone, gone. Mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it almost like doesn't matter, you know, like, because I don't, I, I, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, and also, even though it's sloppy, if it was, which I never found it to be, uh, at least it's a magazine and it's out. Like, mm-hmm, who else mm-hmm. does that? You know what I mean? I, proof's in the pudding and I'm holding that pudding. I feel, <laughs> yeah, sorry, no, I feel like even with reviews and even like what we do here where we generally talk about an album by an artist is we're not saying just like, check out this one album. It's like, this thing's really great. So if you see something else by this person or that they're involved in, yeah. give, mm-hmm. it, give it a shot, you know, give right. it a chance. Like, yeah, or here's why I think it's great. Yeah. And the, yeah. the listener or the reader has the option of going, okay, well, those are the reasons why he thinks it's great. That seems like something I might like. Right. Or, or mm-hmm. God, that sounds like something I would hate. Like, that's really all you got to do. Yeah. You don't need to mediate for for people. And maybe that's another reason why I don't feel like I want to ever do it again is because there's so much out there that you, you don't need someone to guide mm-hmm. you through it anymore. It's... Well, now you can hear an ob tape on YouTube, and back then you it, there wasn't a way to do that. You had to have this physical tape in your hand or have someone. Oh know, yeah, you want to hear it, so. Linda McCartney's isolated vocals from 1972? <laughs> Great, here you go. Yeah. I was like, wow, I really shouldn't be hearing this because it's you know, yeah, I, I'm not her brother. <laughs> like, right. I, should, I shouldn't have access to this. But yeah. thank God for the David Lee Roth isolated vocals. Oh, oh thank yeah. God, that, that and a, stage banter. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, was there any? Are, was there anyone that you really hoped to get an interview with that just never happened? Is there, is there that one that just got away or was pretty much everyone receptive to being in the magazine? Most most people were. Um, I remember writing to um, the guy from Mania. Uh, uh, in, uh, Keith Brewer, yeah. rest in peace. But you did yeah. write him. Yeah, in- yeah. And he, he said yes. And then he saw the questions <clears throat> and then he just decided like, actually, I don't want to do this. Yeah. Like, okay, cool. No problem. Yeah. Um, I also wrote to Jandek and I, this mm-hmm. was way before he like was out. Came playing, back, like, yeah. 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 So I said, I know that you don't do interviews. I don't want to do an interview. I just want to do like several pages of your photos like you do on your record covers mm-hmm. and preferably ones that you don't use for record covers. Just mm-hmm. some of your other photos. And all we have to do is just no text or, or whatever text you want, just your pictures. And then maybe the core would address at the end, something like that. Right. And no response. I was a little bit bummed about that. Cause I thought that that was, you know, a way to get someone in the magazine without having to violate the rules that they have made very clear that they're not going to transgress. Mm. You know, I don't want to butt into your personal life or, you know, you want to keep the mystery going and, and I'll play along with that. Mm-hmm. You can put a, a new track on the CD and it all be cool. But there were other things where um, I never got around to them. I couldn't even ask the person. I always wanted to do an, an incapacitance thing about 
banking. Ba- uh, yes, oh. the history of yes. Japanese yes. banking yes. scandals. Yes, and <laughs> that would have so been incredible. Wow. Yeah. And wow. like, I don't even. Mainly, the reason I didn't get around to is like, I don't know if I should make it kind of like a joke the way I did the <laughs> negative land thing mm-hmm. where, you know, they had had that, uh, they had that one of their records where they claimed that it, it was the thing that a kid who killed himself or something in, in the Midwest was listening to. Right. It was totally untrue, but then it got reported on all these TV shows and radio stations. And so they made another album about like media hacking mm-hmm. and, and how shitty all these institutions are. And so I did an article where I kind of did the same thing. I found all these articles in magazines and newspapers about other topics. But if you were a Negative Land fan, I would put in certain phrases that you would recognize from their records and you would get you would get the joke. Oh, wow. Um, but if you didn't, it wouldn't make any sense. So I sort of thought maybe I could do an incapacitance thing like that. But then I realized there aren't that many incapacitance like references like there's not that much there where you're gonna like have that knowing aha yes i know what he means so maybe i'll ask mccowell to write a thing about like finance and just have a straight yeah financial article oh, that would <laughs> and, incredible. Like, and like Seriously. yeah everybody would be li- reading like wait wait where, where where's the funny part or where's the weird part and like no no it's just straight oh, straight finance and love to read I, that yeah i wish i had gotten around to that that would have been a really yes interesting thing. we we always refer to them as one of the you know top title masters we of worship all time. Their the titles. banking titles are just you know absolutely yeah, they're just perfect. They're they're perfect. Oh, that would have been so cool. <laughs> oh man, I wish. Yeah, yeah. And uh, God, I'm trying to remember who else. Because you did Mersbaugh, Masana, mm-hmm. Hydro Caden. Yep, yep. Um, and 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 Soulmania. with oh, dude, Soulmania, um, Wanda Bruits. Yeah. Uh, oh. Yep. And and you and um the public bath guy did a lot of those interviews, right? The Dave Hopkins, is that correct? He did the he definitely did the Mayuko interview. And I believe he translated the Iman Brutes interview, possibly. Oh, yeah, because he was in Japan. Yeah. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, I can't remember which ones he did and which ones he translated. Um, but you worked with him on, because yeah. he was living in Japan at the time. Yeah, yeah. Although I met him uh, when he came to the States. And, yeah, I think Mayuko Hino first came to town when she was traveling with um, Nimrod. Yes, and they did that the live at Club Fuck. Mm-hmm. I think that's when the live at Club Fuck VHS was recorded, I believe, in Los Angeles. So I'm not mistaken. Who's Nimrod? Uh, guy I always named, get them wrong. Guy named Zev Asher. Uh, oh right. And uh, Sam Loman was the drummer, and Tim Olive was the bass player. Okay. Um, I forget. I forget who was doing the translating though. It wasn't David Hopkins, and it wasn't someone else. But I would. I asked my Yukuhino a question, and uh, the translator would say it and zev whispered in my ear she translated your question totally wrong the answer you get back is not going to make any sense and so so then she answered in japanese the translator sure enough is like oh yeah that doesn't make any sense he was right okay and then i just kind of politely kept going for as long as seemed plausible for an interview but then kind of ended it and just like okay we're not doing this this is if, if if we don't have a good translator it was like what's the point um his, you know, he wasn't good enough at Japanese to to feel confident doing it, but he was good enough to know that, like, no, she totally, you know, she just asked her about butterflies or something. Right, right. And, wow. Um, but it, we ended up doing one later on. So, yeah, there were some interviews where I could just uh, ask David to do it and some that he translated. 
Oh, Hannah Tarash. That was another. It wasn't really an interview. It was like an excerpt from different um, articles that had been in Japanese magazines. He right. kind of collected them all together. And there was also a quick boredoms thing. That was like one page, though. Not wow. really, really a noise band, but. Yeah, but but obviously super important yeah, for an a entry lot. point touchstone for a lot of people. They were, yeah. they were my they, they were my yeah. entry mm-hmm. point. They, that that was it. That was ground zero. And then you know, then you started kind of going, you know, finding out the other crumbs from there. Because I played Lollapalooza. A hundred percent. I was yeah. like one yeah. of the fourteen year olds who <laughs> was not going to see the boredoms, saw the boredoms, and just you know, literally went out and bought a boredom seat the next day because I was mm-hmm. just like, what is this? I need to know more. And yeah, I heard them before seeing them mm-hmm. play live. And it was just amazing to me. How could anyone possibly play like this? And then when you see them, especially if it's in a small enough place where you can get kind of close, you realize, oh, yeah, there's all these visual cues. That's how they know when to change. They like the, they just have the order of, yeah. of who's going to decide memorized. And so oh. they're all like waiting for like Yoshimi to do something. Or now it's, you know, Seichi Yamamoto's oh, wow. turn. And like when he does the thing, that's when they all change to the next part and it was like yeah it was fascinating to watch them do that you know like or he'll jump in the air and like right when he hits the ground that's when they all go to part four did you have a noise gateway show that like kind of sparked your imagination um hmm. well when i moved to the bay area i had heard about Carolinaer and seeing them for the first time was was really great. I was sitting down front eating an apple and then one this big lumbering thing just kind of came over to me <laughs> and you know this, this this hand kind of came out and I like put my apple in it and then the hand receded and then it came out with a bite taken out of it and put it back <laughs> in my hand. I'm like wow, Amazing. all right, yeah. So um um yeah, that was one of my first shows that I after I I left school and uh, yeah, I knew that I wanted to see them. There were a couple other bands in, in the Bay Area that I really wanted to see. Um, but I think, uh, I well, I'd, I'd heard about Varez, Edgar Varez, through Frank Zappa's records when I was a teenager and heard, heard that in high school. And same with Cartridge Music with, the, with him and David Tudor scraping things on the needles. And like, oh my God, I can't believe that's what this is. Like these guys just like, <laughs> that was, that was probably my first real noise thing, the, the cartridge music, but, um, but poem electronique is still one of my favorite pieces of music. And that's, that's also my aspirational piece of music. Like that's, if I can make something that's as beautiful as that, then you know, mission accomplished. That's, that's what I want to do. Just make something like that. Not that sounds like it, but that it, has that it exists in that same realm um a friend gave me um entertainment through pain she said this is this record's really horrible you'd probably love it (laughs) and um i was like oh okay well it looks like martin denny like are you sure but they're called throbbing gristle that sounds kind of (laughs) sexy all right and yeah i heard hamburger lady i'm like oh my yes (laughs) <laughs> oh, yes, I, I'm terrified, but yeah, I love this creepy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and Neubauten came soon after that. And, um, you know, Unsound Magazine was, uh, I think I found out about that. And, and we used to buy that from from uh, Systematic, one as a, a customer. And a lot of the tape people, 
you know, uh, Cyclones. They were Smirsh. Um, what about what about a uh, GX? When did you uh, did you get in did you get in touch with him or did you start? I only met him face to face at the 40th anniversary in Oakland. Oh, like like this year? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I just met him. It's so funny because we've been that I've been we've been finding that more and more that a lot of people you know from the 80s and 90s that you know for us you know this we kind of see in this pantheon like all together have only been recently actually meeting in person. Like Richard Ramirez and Pat O'Neill had never met in person until. A week ago, but in the mail scene was so heavy. Like, the, got, yeah, yeah. So it, was, it was so much mail order, obviously, and 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 trading and and tape trading and letters and stuff like that. That's kind of how you guys knew yeah. each other, really, right? Yeah, yeah. I'd seen them play a bunch of times, and mm. in fact, one of the one of the best shows that I ever saw was was um, Mertzbo, Haters, and Big City Orchestra. Oh wow! And I mean, even if you if you mention this show to GX, yeah, he'll like, oh man, because uh, they <laughs> they um. Uh, the hate the big city orchestra built a little wooden house right because they would do like kind of that kind of mm-hmm. stuff right? like i think there's like a puppet show on yeah they would do that was kind of something they would do live yeah, yeah. and the haters destroyed the house <laughs> and then mertzbo played with the junk and the rubble <laughs> that's but, perfect but gx that's was a cool show yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, gx was inside that little house and apparently he has a little bit of the claustrophobia and he didn't oh. like it at all oh, oh. yeah yeah Smash. so <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So their their set was pretty short. <laughs> I was like, get get me and out of here. Would that have been eighties and early nineties? Do you, do you do you remember well, exactly? I know that it was right after issue five came out because um, I gave Masami Akita his yeah. copies of the issue with his interview in it, very cool. and he kind of looked at it and said, "Thank you very much." And then he handed all of them back to me and said, "Please mail to Japan." <laughs> And then walked away. I and I thought, it. wow, what a chatterbox. <laughs> Did you just mail it just to Japan? Just Japan. <laughs> uh, yeah. One stamp. One stamp. Right, right. <laughs> Don't. Yeah. So that would have been that would have been eighties then, right? Or yeah, let me like see. late eighties? Yeah, probably eighty nine, ninety. Yeah. So. That's I yeah, that, that first tour. That for that yeah, you know, the um, crash for high five. Yeah. Would have been that from that tour, probably most yeah. likely. Uh, what about Ron Lazard? Did you ha- have you met in person? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. several times. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I met him. Let's see, via telephone. So it would have had to be like eighty five at the earliest, maybe eighty six. Yeah, I was a salesperson at Systematic and would try and sell him records. And and uh, you know he answered the phone. Hey buddy boy, how you doing here? And uh, uh, now he, that's what he used to see. Now he says, Hey, slick, what's shaking? <laughs> because after a while, I started saying, Hey, buddy boy, how you doing there? When I called him, I like, you know, I totally mimicked him and yeah. like he had to come up with a new phrase. Oh, so um, but he said, Hey, I'm starting a record label. And like, Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, who are you going to put out? Eugene Chadbourne. Oh, yeah. great, yeah. great. Okay. Yeah. We'll definitely carry your record. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's how long I've known him since before he had a record wow. that was just a store. Well, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, kept in touch. And then we sort of lost touch for years and years. As happens. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you're kind of uh, an elusive figure, though. Like, you've seen the haters a bunch, but never met GX. Yeah, yeah. Would you? Did, was that just your personality? Like, would you just not necessarily go up to the people in person? or? Yeah, sometimes I do. And then sometimes I... Uh, I don't. It sort of depends on like what it 
seems like. And a, a lot of times, well, GX is a bad example because, like, you know, when he's in the room, everyone knows who he is. Yes. Or or which one's GX is like, well, yeah, I, I can pick him out, right. officer. Right. Uh, you know. <laughs> um, uh, but sometimes I'm not really sure uh, who, who's who. Um, right. Or, or sometimes the show is such that you just don't feel like, uh, I don't really want to. I'd rather go home and write them a letter. You know, it's so mm-hmm. it was just so yeah. funny for me to think, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and, um, and you're busy. Well, when you <laughs> I'm always kind of when I see things like in movies and stuff where, you know, the, the, the king of the scene kind of strides up to the nightclub and they like recognize him and like, oh, come on in. Come yeah. on in, Dave. Yeah. And he's just kind of like, yeah, let's go, <laughs> fellas. It was entourage. It's like. I've never seen that happen in real life. Right, and right. it's certainly <laughs> never happened to me. Like no one ever just waves me in because like after all after all you've done for everyone, like well, you are you, you have a permanent cool. seat at the bar. Like, <laughs> that's you know Well, you have a permanent seat at the Holger Hut. Exactly. Uh, no question true. for everything you've done. There's no question about that. hundred percent. I mean, yeah, no, because I mean for us, you are in the pantheon. I mean, like that is, that's how we feel. That's how important banana fish was to a lot of people that you may not even realize. That's but. yeah. That's really <laughs> unbelievably <laughs> nice to hear. And yeah, it's, it's not a thought that is in my head very often. I mean, mostly <laughs> well, it's probably good. Though, right? Don't, just, don't let it go to your head. No, no. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely would not want to be yeah. someone. Cause yeah, I've seen people to whom whatever someone said went to their head and they're, yeah. they're hideous. I'm yeah. like, oh, I can't get away from this person fast enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, maybe if I was set out to do that, to become that, then I would, like, yeah, damn right. Who do you think you are? You can't just come up and talk to me. You know, no, oh, I'm not going to help you with your bullshit. No, but the way you, I mean, but it makes sense though. Now in talking to you, just the way how you did use all the aliases mm-hmm. and you were a hidden, I mean, I literally didn't know what you looked like until we, we asked Greg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, if you, yeah. I was like, I've, if we had ever been in person together, I may not have realized it was you. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we've ever actually. This may be the first day we've mm-hmm. been in the same room. Well, and it's possible. I, when I when we met years ago, I, I made an appointment <laughs> to come to come meet you. Basically, <laughs> at, where at, oh you did yeah oh yeah, yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> I was chained to my desk. Yeah yeah. yeah. Well, you like, know, ah, I got him. <laughs> uh, I was reading an interview that you did with Red Bull Music Academy. And like something you said, um, I'm, I'm going to have to paraphrase because I obviously don't have it in front of me, mm. um, that I really loved was that you were saying that if you write about these things, you have to want to write about these things because it's going to come across in your writing that you, if you don't want to do it and that nobody has to read what you're writing. So you have to make them want to read what you're writing. And I think that I guess for us that that really resonates because, you know, we want to talk about this stuff because we love this stuff. And I think that came across in Banana Fish that you either loved it or loved the process of talking about it or loved um, experimental music and um, just having interests in things. And so I think that 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 feeling is infectious and you certainly infected us uh, on many occasions and I appreciate it. Cool. I'm glad to spread my bacteria. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Well, we spread it back to you because this mic is not sanitized. That's why I keep leaning back. Uh, <laughs> I actually do actually, sanitize yeah, yeah, yeah. the mics. Yeah, yeah I pretty, use lavender oil. I'm pretty. Nice. The last person to use that might have been Dave Walklet. So you, yes. yeah, you might. Oh have, now, did, pre-fish and yes, pre-fish. Right. Mm. Um, I did want to ask you: Did you receive 
the Smell and Quim tape with the fish, Chariot of the Cods, did he send that to Banana Fish? Yeah, and yeah. there was another one that had a condom in it. Oh, so, yes, we discussed that. We, just, we asked him about okay, this. Okay, we're going to need samples of that yeah. sent to the lab. So he I, would not tell us what was in I the condoms. I asked what was in it, and he said, well, he said well, it ask. depends. And I was like, well, is it like the like a, a situation where sometimes you get the loaded gun and sometimes you don't? <laughs> like, yeah, what my, was in it? Mine was loaded. Yeah. Oh. Um, but I will Literally. say, I will say that the fish smelled worse than the loaded condom, <laughs> which kind of surprised me. But I maybe even said it in the in the review. How the fuck does this make it through customs? You know, like <laughs> that is a really good point. Or, or shouldn't it have been delivered like by a sheriff? It's yeah. like, are you are, are you Seymour Glass? You know, is this package for you? Like, uh oh, um, no, no. Here's my ID, sir. Like, were they were they salt cod? That's what he said they were. He said they were salt cod, but hmm. I'm. And it, yeah, the one that I got it, it was minnows. Okay, maybe, uh, okay, yeah, like maybe, maybe some, maybe yeah. it was what he had on hand. Maybe yeah. the day I didn't know how dried the fish are because you can dry a fish where it's not very stinky or but aggressive, and, heard... and you can do it where it's real moist and stinky too. Mm. So. Yeah, I think, I, I, and I may be getting it wrong, but I think I we asked someone over the weekend that, and Ron did just immediately send it back. I think, I don't think he even opened. I think he smelled it and just kind of, that might just be a, a legend, uh, 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 you know, a, an urban legend. So did you ditch the fish? Did you keep it? Did you keep the fish? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Do you still have the fish? <laughs> Probably. Um, maybe in a box somewhere. I wish I had, you know, a, a place in my house where I could display things like this i definitely mm -hmm. am the sort who would want to do that but i just ran out of room and so i was like okay all the cassettes into a box with you oh well, yeah. we have so. room in the noise extra studio oh, feel yeah. free this to send us those boxes because <laughs> we will we'll happily keep them safe and sound for you we will have them on display mm. so yeah just uh, give the address after and yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll we don't we'll take care um just I'll cover, write I'll noise cover the extra and put a stamp on it yeah 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 <laughs> uh so you you do still have everything I wouldn't or, say everything. At some point, I, I I had friends who were, how do you find out about all this stuff? And it's like, I don't know. Just start talking about it, and someone will know what you're talking about, and then you get to geek out with them. Yeah. Somebody because will come out of the shadowy right, corner. You, you, yeah. finally, you finally met them, um, and it will be, you know, it will be happy. Uh, but anyway, yeah, a lot of times I was just like, okay, well, here, you can have these cassettes. Oh, that's cool. Because I didn't, um, you know, I'd, I'd listen to them and, you know, X number of years had gone by before I ever listened to it again. And there were just so many of them. I mean, there were stacks and stacks and I, I didn't have any, any aspirations to like have a museum or be a, the definitive archive. It really was just like, you know, it, it still had that. This is the thing that I'm into. This is what I like doing. And I don't, I don't had I didn't feel any obligation to anyone or anything, any idea or 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 even to posterity or <laughs> nothing. Just um, but still, I have, you know, just thousands, awesome. thousands of them. And uh, yeah, I think at one point I did the same thing with my T-shirts. I just put all my T-shirts that I didn't want anymore or that I knew somebody would love and mailed them all to Dylan Nayukas. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Without telling him, just like a big, yeah, like, here you go. Here's 80 t-shirts. And he's like, why did you send me these? I, cause I don't want them anymore. And I didn't want to give them to the Salvation Army. Wow. So, you know. Again, we'll, we'll just give you the address, the noise extra address uh, after this. Um, we, we can wear every size. You know, I ran a, a noise <laughs> webzine in the like late nineties. That was my, my foray into noise journalism. Uh, now, 
very much defunct and don't go way back machining it. I, <laughs> I sure am. However, uh, I even doing that for such a short period of time, I think I wound up with 45 different CD copies of a uh, string quartet tribute to Radiohead or Metallica or whatever those, those things. Cause I got on some major label mailing list. So even like all the stuff you get that you want to keep. And that's an awesome release that you get from promo. If you have a, a magazine, I imagine you amassed a ton of stuff that wasn't necessarily related that you might've found your, your name on a mailing list. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. All sorts of things. And every once in a while it's like, well, okay. I know someone who would like this Radiohead string quartet, but you know, if you keep getting another one every month, they're like, I don't really know that many people who like this. So, yeah, it's uh, but yeah, you do have to you do have to want to do it because, um, you yeah, know, no one is asking you to. And so why would you if 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 there's no money in it? And, you know, they're not just waving you through. Wait, the, there's at, no money in it? What? <laughs> oh, <come on. laughs> you know, all the reasons that you could you could possibly have for doing it. You don't I mean, get residuals? Uh, some, <laughs> so, so, I've heard some people use the word glory. Like, you know, like when you put out, when you, when you release you something that's awesome, you, 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 you amass this glory. It's like, really? Yeah. I've never... Yeah, like, you know, where's my parade? Where's the throne that I sit on when they carry me through the streets? Like we're, it's never we're getting it for uh, <laughs> we're organizing it. It's never happened. Is there any labels that stand out to you to this day that were like that? Those were like, you know, st- they stood out to you as kind of like that was my there was the top, you know, something like gross, something like, you know, what what was do you do you kind of have a favorite or uh, you know not as a favorite just some standouts that you always cherish i guess yeah i think gross is a really good example just because nakajima was such an excellent designer and meticulous about he was very neat and precise it's insane yeah in fact um when i went to a record store in osaka um they had all of the stuff that he left behind. Right. Yeah, there was away. I remember we yeah, a record store they yeah, I remember reading about oh, a record cool. store getting all his Yeah, his I think stuff. one of his relatives said, yes. "You were his friend, can you come take all of his stuff?" And so it has yeah. like dozens of copies of the things that other labels released by him, but it also had like his master artwork for oh. all this stuff. Wow. There was one box that had like a ledger of all the trades and people he had corresponded with, like a list. And so you know, you'd look through him and you're like, oh yeah, there's Ron Lassard. And it says on this date, I sent him this. And on this date, he sent me that. And then like, you know, and so I'm like flipping through there like, oh yeah, there's that magazine. Oh look, here's me, here's me. Here's a list of all the things that we sent. Wow. And it's it's all handwritten. That's and wild. There's, there's, no, there's no cross outs. There's no, you know, misspellings. It's all very neat and precise. And it's like, there's no way I could do that. Like handwritten I'm, it, it would have to be in pencil for one thing right but i mean even just going back and writing on the same page the next day you know my handwriting would not. oh yeah, yeah his, <laughs> his look like it had all been done at one time the ink was the same and the you know, what he was writing with probably the same implement yeah that's so I, I want to cool. see this that is, so bad. That I is am amazing. dying to see this. Yeah, that's mind blowing. Yeah, that's cool. it's it's at, at his uh, memorial service. Um, they gave away, I think, like maybe six of his releases to everyone who came, and they still have hundreds of stuff. When you go to this record store, it's I think it's Forever Three, but I may, might be wrong. The guy who has it, his name is Satoru Higashisato. He's got all the, all the stuff. Mm-hmm. You sort of belly up to the bins like you normally would, but on the floor and then maybe one 
a layer on top of that are these plastic bins that are all full of his stuff all throughout the entire store. So if you want to like browse, you kind of have to lean over all of this old obe and gross I stuff. love that they weren't made to order. He was like, no, I'm going to do a batch. I'm going to do a full batch because they're oh, all yeah. handmade. It's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And Meticulously handmade. Oh my yeah. God. I know. I'm looking at quadrotation right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah, exactly. And and he was also a heavy smoker as many mm-hmm. people yes, know. And it's, and that has been noted. Yeah. yeah. You, you'd pick up a record and you go, I don't remember this having a, a bronze color. And like you realize, <laughs> oh no, take off the plastic bag. Oh yeah. Here it's white. Yes. Oh, that yeah. is, that was noted in that collection, in that mm-hmm. record store that it is, there's a lot of cigarette, uh, res, you know, discoloring. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, if you're thinking about, the label as um, having a very distinct personality, then that that is the first one that that comes to mind. Um, today, I don't keep up with nearly as much stuff. I mean, you know, when you're doing a magazine, you have this artificial uh for this arbitrary frame yeah. and so you you feel like you have a sense of completion like i know everything that's going on because yeah. you've created this artificial box and like well yeah within that box you yeah. know everything but um uh I, I realized later on like yeah there's like so much going on that i don't know about um i mean i meet people and i, I remember uh i uh i haven't actually met cody brant in person but when we met online mm-hmm. i just thought oh cody that's He's probably a lot younger than me because I don't. There's no one in my age named Cody. Right, that's, right. <laughs> so it just seems like well, that's something that's more common in younger generations. And so I, I probably was talking down to him a little bit because I figured he was like half my age, and I was like giving him advice. And then I realized, mm-hmm. oh no, he's done way more than I have. He knows all these people <laughs> and more. Like, okay, oh, I hope I hope I didn't like embarrass myself with him. Um, but yeah. So nowadays, I, my my areas of interest i don't have any kind of uh i don't have the the, the ravenous acquisitive nature that i used to have so like chocolate monk they i keep up with everything that they do silt breeze uh and anything laughams related you know um but at the same time you know i, I listen to black sabbath whenever i want to yeah you know so <laughs> like, i don't I, I don't go out of my way, especially if it, if something seems like it's kind of expensive and most things are kind of expensive. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, and things are available online too, whether it's, it's legitimately or not. It's, you can hear a lot of stuff on Bandcamp, on Spotify, YouTube videos, people just having a blog and they put up like, here's this album. I'm like, Oh, okay. But we, we had always extra support Bandcamp purchasing and listening so uh yeah, yeah. <laughs> because, because you really, know it's going we to really do artists. support yeah. uh supporting that supporting the artists directly in the labels directly because you know that yeah especially in 2019 it's 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 harder and harder to do that yeah um, as, as, and that's another reason why I, I didn't always introduce myself to mm-hmm. to people at shows because i didn't want to seem like i was trying to ingratiate myself yeah like i i would rather support the artist i would rather yeah. pay to get in mm-hmm. i want them to keep doing this and i don't want them to think that they need to do me a favor or you know give me something i just i'll go to the merch table i'll you know do what yeah. i can so you so the last issue was 16 18 18, 18. um did you know that was going to be the last issue or when what when, when, i guess what go i guess talk us through like kind of the end of Banana Fish and when you kind of decided to put it to rest? There was maybe a slow uh, decline in my 
not my interest, but my ability to square how much effort went into it and how much money went into it, and how much time went into it to the general reaction that it got. It seemed like most of the reactions that I got were were from my immediate friends and they said, hey, got the new shoe. Looks great. That's it. Or mm-hmm. like, yes, it's on the back of the toilet or, you know, something like that. And like, yeah, even if you're not the sort of person to fish for compliments, like after a while, you just kind of like, geez, you know, or, or, or someone, you know, you meet someone like, oh, you're, you're a writer. What do you do? I put up my own magazine. Oh, really? What's it called? And like, here, here, you put it in their hands and they just kind of look at it. And almost like they don't know how magazines work. Like if you, if you open that, <laughs> open the lid. Yeah. Then you can see all the stuff on the inside. Like they just, wow, you, someone hands you a magazine with that on the cover <laughs> like, and, and you don't go, wow, what's, what comes next? Like, okay. I mean, yeah. to me, I just go, oh, I don't, I can't relate to you at all. You're, yeah. you, you have z- zero curiosity. I, now I know I don't want to talk to you anymore. That's the first thing I thought. But but also it it does kind of wear you down slowly. And um, so, yeah, I, I kind of decided that I I, I shouldn't really be doing it in, anymore. And the, the, the sales were, you know, like they were tapering off, too, because the Internet was was ascending. And I remember, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson at one point, he said, so you're still doing banana fish. And I said, yeah. And he goes, why? like like, oh wow okay did you sharpen that knife before you stuck it in my heart or was that just like right out of the drawer all right jimmy johnson of force exposure yeah yeah uh i was i played on uh eldon's radio show a couple months ago and uh i think two people called in or something uh, like uh during or after the performance and he he said something like oh we we got we got two callers that means that means that, uh, you know, like 2000, at least 2000 people are listening like by radio metrics or whatever. It's like, oh, if you, right, if you right. have someone react to it, that must mean that there's this many people listening yeah. in order to get that big a field. So it's funny to, to think like that. Cause of course you get, you do get one compliment or one person decides to tell you and it's going through plenty of other people's head, but there's no way to measure what the actual reach of that sort of thing yeah. is. Yeah. Exa- and yeah, I've, I have other friends who would tell me yeah, just because you didn't hear any positive feedback doesn't mean you're not reaching people. Sometimes the ripples in the pond, you don't know where they go. And it's like, yes, that's true. That's true. Um, but I, I, my wife and I decided that the, she decided that I wanted to have a kid. And, <laughs> and so, so I, I took the hint and we, we, she did, I helped. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, the, the last issue, number 18, it was all like bagged up and uh, envelopes were addressed and they were all in the mail. And then the, the very next day my kid was born. Oh, wow. wow. You know, that's kind of appropriate that it's 18 because it's like you yeah. raised a teenager. So that was your first child. It became 18, went off to college and took on its life. And then you started your next. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> totally. No, it's yeah. true, though. You I, raised I, a kid. I know and... people who think of their pets as their children. Yeah. I don't know if I know anybody else who thinks of their fanzine as one well, of their kids. I think it's a little more, impo- but, a little bigger than just a, a little fanzine for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. But just to put it in perspective, my daughter turned 15 in November. Oh, that's so unreal. that's that's how old the Dude, shit, I remember the shit we're, the shit we're talking issue. about. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're and we're going back way farther yeah. than that, but yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's wild. So that was just kind of, you were, so you kind of had the feeling that this is probably it. Once, yeah, once, once we're talking about kids, it's yeah. like there's no way I have money, time and energy exactly. now. And I didn't even really do anything 
um, creative for probably eight years after that. Once I felt like, okay, so she has her own friends and she's, mm-hmm. she's into music. She listens to music all the time, mm-hmm. stuff that I don't know anything about when she was little and I had to drive everywhere. She was listening to a lot of Masana. No, no, no. It was on the radio. I I don't don't expect her to be a clown of me. She liked NCAPs. Yeah, she was more of an NCAP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She liked, you know, Tay-Tay and Katy Perry and Kesha. Like, oh, Kate. So do we. Oh, we like those people, too. I don't know any of the new ones, though. I mean, like, I could keep up at the beginning, but now it's like, oh, wow. She's just into, you know, the the hip-hop and R&B stuff. And at one point I said, that that thing you were listening to – you know, like a, a few minutes ago, the one with the kind of stabby keyboard sounds. And she was like, stabby? Yeah, there's, there's no stabbing in, in keyboards. Like, well, you know what I mean. It kind of went, gah, 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 gah. she's like, no, no, I don't know what you mean. Like, oh, all right, okay. Well, let yeah. me show you this record by Carolina. I would like to show you some stabby organ uh, yeah. sounds. Well, I imagine you trying to keep up with, uh, with your daughter's musical taste, much like anyone who's never read an issue of banana fish will like listening to us in conversation about bands. Like, yeah, it's probably is alien really to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I just wanted to be the kind of person who loves music. And if, if, if it's not my kind, I that's, I'm fine with that. Cause you know, the stuff I listened to when I was a teenager, like my parents, well, they knew some of it, but you know, they, they she, my mom had records by the Beatles and the kinks and the animals, but we're talking like from the early sixties. So by the time I'm listening to King Crimson and, <laughs> and Pink Floyd, she's like, what the, you know, she's like, can you turn it down? You know, it's like, okay. Yeah. 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 So now you're in the other, in the other room blasting like high joke, hiding King of noise. And she's, can you turn it down? Turn that down. <laughs> she has music on all the time and it's all on her phone. I mean, she, yeah. she goes to sleep yeah. with it. I can hear her in the shower with blasting something on the phone. I mean, she's constant. If she's not, playing a game or talking to her one of her friends and she's frequently wearing earbuds but a lot of times she's just got music playing all the time it's like yes all right cool yeah, that's good yeah. that's, that's great. great don't know if it's ever going to lead to anything but um you know she's she's my kind of person she's oh got that's, I, that's I love, awesome i love hearing that that's great well maybe she can do a, a magazine maybe maybe she'll start banana fish again to right? try to paste up uh, <laughs> yeah. the layout right yeah after i die she'll be the one to send you all of the cassettes <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. all right yeah. Yeah. my dad said you guys would want this stuff could you come get it before sundown <laughs> in the car right now <laughs> yeah. wow well, this was really exciting. Uh, yeah, uh, we thank are, you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. We have referenced, it is our pleasure. Yeah, we've referenced Banana Fish. I think Banana Fish, Skin Crime, and... Condom. Uh, yeah, it's, those are some of the required mentions in just about every, <laughs> every episode. Every day. Seriously. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's a real, real honor for us to get to sit down and talk to you like this today. It truly is. Yeah, and uh, we went to bed early. We all had a healthy dinner. We we were we were good boys and girls. We did yes. our homework and went to bed early because uh, we had we had this interview this uh, today. So, thanks so much, Seymour. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. My pleasure. You've been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 17 years. By Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. 
Thank you for listening to us and to Noise.